One night in the hospital, she said, Daddy, when will my pain go away? He said, Honey, we're doing everything we can to get rid of it. Then she asked, Daddy, have you asked God when my leukemia will go away? And what did God say? He writes that he didn't know what to say to her. What do you say to your little girl when God seems as if he's not listening? What do you say when the heavens seem silent? You know, some of the hardest things to handle are the times in our lives when God seems like he's just a million miles away and he's not answering our prayers. You see, God promised in his word to always be there, but there are times when it seems as if he is giving us the silent treatment. The psalmist writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. Job put it this way. If I go to the east, God is not there. If I go to the west, I do not see him. I was reading an article in Relevant magazine. And this is what the author wrote. He said, I'm not hearing God's voice very often, and by very often, I mean almost never. Since I've spent much of my life encouraging others in their relationship with God, this can be very disconcerting, and it's made worse by the Christians I know who appear to have a direct line to God all the time. I mean, God's finding them parking, parking spaces, sending them, <laughs> sending them to just the right apartments, Practically giving them a to-do list every week. So why is my connection different than theirs? How come I don't hear him like those people who apparently have coffee with Jesus every morning? You know, maybe that describes how you're feeling this morning. I mean, maybe you're wondering what's happened to your connection with God, because as far as you, your connection goes, he's just not returning your calls. I mean, if God's off finding grandma a parking spot, then maybe he's just too busy to deal with the pain that's just been growing and growing within your heart. Now, if you've ever felt that way, then like I said, you picked a great day to be here because today we're kicking off a brand new series called Connected, hearing from God and having the courage to respond. I actually had originally guts to respond, but they didn't like that, so we changed it to courage. Um, and to get things started, we're dealing with something that I believe everyone in this room has or is still struggling with in your life, and that is simply this, the silence of God. Have you ever wondered why God was so silent? Have you ever wondered if God was really listening? Have you ever wondered why the connection just doesn't seem to be there like it should be? You ever wonder that? You ever go through that in your life? Well, today as we begin this series, I believe this is something that we need to focus on and get a handle on because if we can get a handle on this, it is going to help us through the rest of this series. Let me tell you, nothing, nothing messes our connection up more than thinking God 
is not listening to us. Pray with me as we begin. Lord, I thank you for this time. And God, I thank you for what you have for us today. And God, just, uh, man, give me the words, Lord. May you use me and speak through me today as your vessel. And may my words be yours. And may you bring us into a clearer understanding of our connection to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, few Christians have chronicled their struggle with God more honestly than C.S. Lewis. The famed author was deeply in love with his wife, Joy, even though they met and married later in life. Not long after their relationship began, she was diagnosed with cancer. She endured a long and terrible season of illness before she died. Lewis wrote about his feelings following her death in a series of notebooks that were later published as a grief observed. His most telling observation was this, the silence of God. He wrote, No one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness. On the rebound, one pa passes into tears and pathos. I almost prefer the moments of agony. These are at least clean and honest. Meanwhile, meanwhile, where is God? When you are happy, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the, others, on the inside. After that, silence. Like Lewis, I think many of us have experienced the silence of God. I mean, we cry out to him and there seems to be no answer. We pray, pouring out our hearts, only to hear the words kind of echo back without a reply. You know, few things are more damaging to a relationship than a sense of not being heard or responded to. It's as if we don't matter and that there's no genuine concern. So this is the question sometimes that is raised in our, in our minds, I think, and that is, if God is calling for our soul... And if we are attempting to connect with him at that level, then why is there still silence? Why is there still silence? You see, the problem is that we forget that the, the silence that we feel is not silence at all. Lewis later wrote these words. He wrote, I have gradually been coming to feel that the door is no longer shut and bolted. Was it my own frantic need that slammed it in my face? The time when there is nothing at all in your soul except a cry for help may be just the time when God can't give it. You are like the drowning man who can't be helped because he clutches and grabs. Perhaps your own reiterated cries deafen you to the voice you hope to hear. So perhaps the most penetrating question we can ask is this. What happens when we call out to God? What happens? Well, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says basically three things happen when we call out to God. First of all, when we pray, God hears us. He hears. 
1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When we pray, whether by spoken word or by quiet anguish of the heart, through his spirit, our prayers ascend unencumbered to God's very presence. But that's not all, because the Bible also says when we pray, God cares. He cares. What we are trying to say through prayer is more important to God than you could possibly ever imagine. I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes to his heart. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to him. Now, I love the emphasis here because God is, is concerned not simply with his grand plan and grand scheme of life, but he is concerned with our worries. Those things that are important to us. When it comes to prayer, God's empathy knows no bounds. But it's the Bible's third declaration that seems to somehow perplex us, and that's simply this. When we pray, God answers. When we pray, God answers. The Bible is very emphatic that there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. In Job 33 in verses 13 and 14, it says, Why do you accuse God of not answering anyone? God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure about that one. Because, let me tell you, I specifically prayed for a new Lexus, and it is not in my driveway this morning. <laughs> so I know God doesn't answer every prayer. But the Bible doesn't back down when challenged on this. It stands by the declaration that God hears, that God cares, and that he responds always, always. So then, what's happening then with God's answers? What's happening to those answers? When, when we don't feel them, we don't sense them, we don't hear them, what's happening with those answers? I think in our struggle with God's perceived silence, we must take into account an idea that is often very alien to our thinking, and that is this. Just because a prayer was not answered in the way we wanted it to be answered, or we thought it should have been answered, that does not mean that an answer did not come directly from God. You get that? Just because a prayer was not answered in the way we wanted it to or the way we thought it should be answered, it does not mean that an answer did not come directly from God. Because God promises to answer every prayer. And what we have to remember and what we have to understand is this. How he chooses to answer, that is up to him. That is not up to us. We don't set the parameters for God's prayers as far as the answers go. That's totally up to him. So, so for a few moments and for the remainder of time, let me give you a couple of ways that God's response might be viewed as silence. The first is this, when his response is a no. When did God just simply responds with a no? I mean, sometimes God does that. Sometimes the answer is no. I mean, what we ask for, no matter how well-intentioned we are, May not, be a, may not be appropriate for us. It may not be the best for us. It may not be the thing that's going to strengthen us in our walk with Christ. 
and yet we often refuse to listen to God's no. Insisting instead that God's just being stubborn. That God's just being silent. I mean, sometimes it's beyond our thinking to imagine that God would deny us anything. <laughs> I mean, after all, God, look at us. How could you not answer my request? Again, God cares deeply about us and he hears every, every request. But that doesn't mean the answer can't st still be no. Now, let me tell you, nobody loves my boys more than I do. I mean, Lucy and I are pretty equal on that, but when they were growing up, sometimes when they would ask for something, the answer they received for their sake was a firm no. I mean, that was the answer they got. More times than not, they didn't have a clue or they didn't understand why they got a no. After all, it makes perfect sense to them to stay up all night. It makes perfect sense to them to eat pizza for every meal. It makes perfect sense to them to invest a significant amount of my financial resources into the profit margin of the local mall <laughs> or to establish a secondary residence in Orlando. And so it is with our souls in relation to the prayers that we pray. We often make requests that can't be granted because they are not what's best for our lives. Here's what we tend to forget. Even though things may not be going the way we think they should, maybe it's because he's keeping you from a deeper, more lasting pain. Or maybe he's waiting to grant a greater blessing in your life. Here's something else that we tend to forget. God's no is seldom left to itself. When God answers no, it's, it's seldom just left to itself. In other words, the answer often goes further than just a no. If we would just be open to it, if we would just realize it, if we would just sometimes shut up long enough to hear what he has for us. When Paul repeatedly begged God to remove his thorn in the flesh, the answer that he got was no. But there was more to the no. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, But he said to me, My grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I, I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. You see, Paul repeatedly received a no from God to remove the thorn in the flesh. But God didn't just answer with a no. He went further and said, the no is for this reason. It's because my grace is sufficient. It's because in your weakness, my power is strengthened. And you were made strong. And we just got to remember and understand. You see, the purpose behind God's no and the ramifications it holds for our life are met by the direct presence and the power of God. When the answer is no, it's also followed with the confident assurance that he is with us. That he's going through it the same time we are. If we'd simply just trust him with our life. And so there are times when the response is no, but we take that as silence. Another time is when his response is not now. 
not now. You see, the problem is when we ask God for something, we are looking for it to happen immediately. I mean, in our minds, we have this predetermined timetable that doesn't include the words, not now. Okay? Our timetable includes the words, now, immediately, today, an hour from now, pretty soon. I mean, we want it when we want it. I mean, we're used to to instant gratification. We can't imagine life without express lanes, ATMs, faxes, emails, instant messaging. And the list can go on. We're used to getting what we want when we want it, which makes later or not now only slightly easier to hear than no. But God's delay should not be confused with his denial, much less his silence. Because he always has reasons for saying not now. And we should greet such delays with trust. And greet such delays with patience. Besides, we, we may not be ready for what God would say. The delay may have less to do with the timing of events. I want you to understand this. The delay may, may have less to do with the timing of events and more to do with the timing of our spiritual growth. Dallas Willard wrote, We may have so little clarity on what a word from God should be like and so little competence in dealing with it that such a word would only add to our confusion even when it would otherwise be entirely appropriate and helpful. In other words, there are times when I am just not ready to receive what he has for me. I'm not ready for what I really am asking. Because God needs to create, he needs to work, he needs to do a a work in my life that brings me to that point. You see, there's something that he's doing in me that apparently must come before he reveals what he wants to do. And so I watch and I try to cooperate as he moves and shapes the pieces of my life, both internally and externally. I'm waiting in what seems like silence, but in truth... God is just arranging and moving the pieces of my life around. Which brings me to this truth, and that is this. Even though at times God's response may seem like silence, never forget that he may be calling us to look below the surface to something much deeper. He may be creating a hunger and a thirst for more of him. In our life. You know what? There are plenty of stories in the Bible of God being silent. Job experienced the silence of God. Abraham experienced God's silence as he planned to sacrifice his son Isaac. The Bible doesn't record God talking at all to Joseph while he was in prison. Or to John the Baptist before he was beheaded. And there are more examples of God's silence than we may be comfortable exploring. But here's the thing. What seemed like silence to them always led them to a richer and a deeper and a more intense encounter with their God. Every time. What seemed like silence always led them into a deeper and a richer and a more intense encounter. 
You see, the problem is sometimes we, we come to God and we are already so f- full in our lives, man. We're full of our own ideas and we're full of, of our own plans and we're, we're full of what the world wants for us and has to offer. We pray to him not for his presence in our lives, but for the things we think we need in our life. We pray for our ideas and we pray, pray for our plans and we pray for our wants. And if we were honest, our prayers are actually saying, accomplish my will, God, but not yours. And so this morning, as we think about our connection to God, as we think about truly and honestly being connected to him, let me ask you this, and, and in all seriousness, do you want God? Or do you just want what he can give you? Do you honestly want God in your life, or do you just want what he can give and the blessings that come? Here's the thing. Just as physical hunger makes us less picky about what we're about to eat, spiritual hunger can make us less picky for what God's saying and doing in our lives. In other words, physical hunger makes me humble. And grateful for whatever nourishment is available to me. And if I allow it, spiritual hunger can also make me less, live less on the emotional high of spiritual experiences and instead be grateful for every opportunity to hear God's voice. Even when I'm not sure it's there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When God is silent in your life, maybe he's growing a hunger in you for the real him. For the him that he wants you to find. He wants you to discover. I love David's thoughts on this in Psalm 42 and Verses 1 to 6 and then verses 9 through 11. This is what David writes. He says, As a deer thirsts for streams of water, so I thirst for you, God. I thirst for the living God. When can I go to meet with him? Day and night my tears have been my food. People are always saying, where is your God? When I remember these things, I speak with a broken heart. I used to walk with the crowd and lead them to God's temple with songs of praise. Why am I so sad? Why am I so upset? I should have put my hope in God and kept praising him, my Savior and my God. I'm very sad. Starting verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why am I sad and troubled by my enemies? My enemies' insults make me feel as if my bones were broken. They are always saying, where is your God? Why am I so sad? Why am I so upset? I should put my hope in God and keep praising him, my Savior and my God. Here is someone hungering for a word from God. And from all angles, it appears as if God is silent to his cries. But the psalmist comes to see that there is no silence. The answer coming from God is deeper than words. You see, God is present and speaking, but he's saying 
But what he's saying isn't resting on the surface of life. It's not resting on the surface waters of life. This is a season where deep is calling to deep. Or as Thomas Kelly phrases it, a time of going down into the recreating silences. You see, God is calling you to look past the surface. To not just always worry about what's floating on top. Instead, he's wanting us to look deeper, deeper, deeper down. In an article in a magazine called Fast Company, the chess master and much sought after mentor Bruce uh, Pendolfini, I may be saying that wrong, but that's okay. I don't know him and he doesn't know me. But he discusses how he works with his students, and I really like this. This is what he says. My lessons consist of a lot of silence. I listen to other teachers, and they're always talking. I let my students think. If I do ask a question and I don't get the right answer, I'll rephrase the question and wait. I never give the answer. Most of us really don't appreciate the power of silence. Some of the most effective communication between student and teacher, between master and players, takes place during silent periods. I like that. And as I read that, this is what hit me. Could this be how God mentors us? I mean, could this be how God mentors us? Is God's apparent silence the method of a master teacher? I mean, when I go through seasons where God's answers do not come quickly, or God's answers do not float on the surface of life, could this be God's way of redirecting my prayers in order to draw me into a deeper trust and into a deeper dependence and into a deeper sense of obedience to his will in my life? You see, when we connect with him in this way, the answers we find radically transcend what we initially thought we would find. Because you see, it's, it's here that I get introduced to the sin that I need to confront. Wow. It's here that I get introduced to the sin that I need to confront. That sin that's in my life. That sin that's, that sin that's breaking the connection between me and the Father. It's here that I recognize patterns of behavior that I need to break. Things that I'm just constantly doing that, that I say, I'm not going to do this again, but I just find myself doing it over and over again. Those patterns of behavior, it's here in these moments that I find that and sense that from God. It's here that I gain insights into who I really am and who he wants me to become. And it's here that I discover a depth in my relationship with God that I've never experienced before. And so I thought about this. And this is the thing that hit me last night. Maybe that's why we would rather see things as silence. Because if we see these things as silence, then we don't have to deal with them. You get that? Maybe that's why we're content with just saying, well, God's just silent. 
I'm not really hearing from him. Because when we honestly say, no, God is really dealing with me and working with me, then we have to begin to deal with the things that he's bringing out in our life. And it's a lot easier just to say he's silent than to deal. Here's the thing. God is calling each of us to something deeper than the surface issues of life. He's calling us to hunger and thirst for more of him. I love this prayer by A.W. Tozer because it exemplifies this hunger of the soul. This is what he prayed. Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness and it it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Let's reflect. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Tinboon wrote about an incident in World War II that brought her to a trust in God that she had never had before. Especially when it comes to listening in the silence. Her and her sister Betsy had been sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp by the Nazis. The barracks that they were assigned to were not only overcrowded, but they were flea infested. She writes as as she lay on the bed of straw that she had made for herself. Not only was she suffocated by all the bodies, but literally her skin was being bit away by the infestation of fleas. And she was so frustrated that she complained to God. She she just cried out, God, you've got to be joking me. Why all these fleas? Haven't I gone through enough, God? I I can take anything but these fleas. It was there in Raven's book that Corey and her sister Betsy began a Bible study in the barracks. Now, it was illegal for them to study the Bible, of course. And if the guards had come in and found them studying the Bible, having a Bible study, they would be put to death. But to their amazement, not one guard came in, and their Bible study began to grow, and and it grew, but no guard ever came into the barracks. After weeks and weeks of Bible studies, Corey and her sister finally found out why the guards never came in, because they heard one guard simply say, I'm not going in there with all those fleas. She writes, what seemed like silence from God was actually an answered prayer. After the war, those words were found on a wall. These words were found on a wall in Cologne, Germany, where Jews had been hiding from the Nazis. It simply read, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Let me ask you today. Have you struggled with the silence of God in your life? Struggled with that aspect of, man, I just don't know if he's listening, if he's hearing. Understand that even in the silence, God is calling each and every one of us 
to a deeper, more lasting, more trusting, more intimate relationship with him. That's his desire. And he does that through the silence. If we would just be open to it and listen to it so that we can receive it. And so as we think about our connection with God over these next several weeks, has his silence caused a disconnect in your life? If so, then you need to begin to reconnect that by understanding that he's simply calling you to a deeper, more lasting relationship. Maybe he wants you to confront a sin that's in your life right now, whatever that sin is. Maybe he's wanting you to confront that, that pattern of behavior that's really breaking the connection. Whatever it is in your life, this is a chance for us just to, to come together to reflect. And if you have a decision, if you need to reconnect, if you just simply want to get into that deeper, more trusting, lasting relationship with your father and you just need to come so that we can pray with you and encourage you today and so adam's going to play and as he plays and as we reflect if there's any decision on your heart anything you need to get right with your god this is time to do it so just come and allow god to speak to your heart today